midwife calling. Hello and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast. I'm Jan Moffat. I'm Dr. Paula Moffat, not that kind of doctor, and this week we are talking about the first regular episode of season six of Call the Midwife. This episode was written by Heidi Thomas and directed by Cherie Folkson. Heidi Thomas, of course, created the show and has written many of the episodes, most recently the Christmas special. Uh, Cherie Folkson last directed the fourth episode of season five which was the episode where um, Sister Julianne is at the hospital and the baby is born with thalidomide defects and she is uh, very shaken mm. by that, that episode. Jan, do you want to take us through the recap of this episode? Absolutely, but first I want to mention the guest star in this episode and... Starting off this season is Dame Harriet Walter, who I adore because Sense and Sensibility is one of my absolute favorite movies, and she plays Fanny in that and is beautiful. She also is in things like The Crown, The Spanish Princess, Ted Lasso, she was in Belgravia. She is uh, often a villain, uh, (laughs) but not always. Belgravia is one that I love that she is not a villain at all in, but yeah, I love her. Hit me in the discord with your favorite uh, quote from Harriet Walter. (laughs) She is a villain in this. (laughs) She is. We will see, but so far, yes. Let me get into the recap after I just had to nerd out about Harriet (laughs) Walter for a minute. (laughs) What's your favorite uh, Harriet Walter quote from Sense and Stability? (laughs) Um, she screams out the a viper in my bosom very <laughs> screechily, which is lovely. But the whole like first five minutes of Pride and Prejudice, where she talks the her husband down from giving the girls Sense any money. Sensibility, you mean? Yeah, sorry, sensibility. Where she talks her husband down from giving uh, the main girls any money is just so well done. Your father didn't have any addition of giving them money. They'll be quite comfortable. Anyway. Um, An Dora s- cottage. Oh, a little cottage can be very snug. That's not her. I but <laughs> I, I could go on and on. And I'm going to stop now. Uh, yeah. Talk to me on Discord if you want to hear about more. <laughs> okay. Let's get into the recap. Mature Jenny narrates about time being washed away as we see Sister Mary Cynthia help a woman in labor. Sister Ursula turns off Sister Monica Jones' television just before the group from South Africa return, but without Trixie, who is staying longer. Sister Monica Joan quotes poetry at Tom and Barbara, and everyone congratulates them on their engagement. At a meager lunch, Sister Julianne gets a call from the mother house that Sister Ursula will be in charge from now on. At the clinic, more changes are being made, much to everyone's chagrin. Pregnant mom Trudy is examined and discusses her young son Mickey with Phyllis. Later, Trudy picks up her husband Lester from jail, who wants his son to be a boxer. 
Tom looks at rings for Barbara, finding them pricey. Patsy, Barbara, and Delia gather in her room, drinking and trying to listen to the radio. Barbara indulges in alcohol to get into training to be a clergy spouse. Phyllis visits Trudy to find a big party at her home, and Trudy embarrassingly having her nylons removed. After the party ends, Lester hurts Trudy in front of Mickey and then leaves for the docks. So, the... I mean, there's lots of, there's a lot going on in this first section. I want to, I always like to start with the voiceover Mm -hmm. and the voiceover this time. You said she talks about time slipping away, but when she says it is not time itself, we notice passing, but the things it claims and erases for eternity, Mm -hmm. which I think I find that sometimes these voiceovers they must be such a challenge to write. And sometimes they are um, aiming for profundity and uh, missing and and being trite. But I think this, it's not time we notice passing, but the things it claims and erases for eternity is actually a really mm-hmm. both well-written, like both a good line and also a profound truth. I don't, as I was watching the episode and recapping and, and thinking I didn't see a strong... I mean, the the strong connection thematically to the episode is everything is changing mm-hmm. at Nanata's house. But I don't know. Maybe I will see it more as we watch the, as we talk it over. But I don't know the, like, specifically uh, time claims and erases things for eternity as being a, especially fitting to this episode. But perhaps I'll see it as we talk it out, talk it through. But the things that are changing at Nanata's house all start... The things that are changing at in Poplar and at Nanata's house are all right now focused around Ursula, who I said a second ago was a villain. <laughs> she's... I mean, she's a villain only in the Call the Midwife sense. She's uh, <laughs> yeah. not Sister Julianne, who we know and love and is gentle and knowledgeable. And this is like this random usurper who's been filling in and doesn't know... The, like the regular way things go, including just to, to start off with, oh, we'll have a small light lunch and then a heavier supper. And like, that is not a good idea. There is like real reasons that we've seen all along that like they need a solid lunch because they're in the middle of their working day. Yeah. And need energy for getting things done. And she even, even in that, like, have a small lunch. But don't sit down yet. There's a phone call. I'm like, don't call. This is, it's such a minor thing. But like, don't call people to food and then say, but wait, just stand in front of the food and don't eat it. Yeah. If they don't know that's what's going to happen. Like, it's just Mm. small in consideration for people's feelings. Yes, absolutely. When she sees Barbara, (laughs) the like, (laughs) taking away... Uh, Sister Monica Jones TV and saying that I told you to fill up the flowers and I find you gyrating in front of the TV <laughs> and Sister Monica Jones says, I admit the flowers are empty, but I firmly refute all charges of gyration. <laughs> it's funny. And then, but when Barbara is like showing her wedding ring is a blade of grass which she keeps in an ointment tin <laughs> and 
I don't think it's a mistake in the show when it's like, oh, wow, we have the villain of the episode when Sister Ursula says, I hope no ointment was wasted in the process. Yeah. <laughs> like, and Phyllis stepping in with like, no, we did our, like, bandied our resources correctly. Like, for us, having just seen the the South Africa episode, they really did. Like, to have any accusations of them wasting resources is so offensive. Yeah. I <laughs> and mean, like, the context oof. of, like, I got a blade of grass as my wedding ring. I hope that wasn't a wasteful blade of grass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And then, in, like, similar vein of Sister Ursula being the villain in it, this second sense now, not in not her fault, but, like, turning the audience against her very firmly. Like, she's replacing Sister Julienne? I have in my notes, like, Sister Julienne demoted! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point! Yes. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not actually surprised because I've seen it before, but what is the mother house thinking? <laughs> mm-hmm. My theory is, uh, I have both a generous and an ungenerous theory. My ungenerous ungenerous theory is that they don't like Sister Ursula at the mother house and so they are trying to get rid of her (laughs) and so they send her off to Nanatis but then Sister Ursula is like well I'm not going to be here if I'm not in charge and so they're like sure you can be in charge therefore you stay away from us but my more generous thoughts are uh, things need to change up every now and then Yeah, and uh, Sister Julianne needs a chance to see life from the other side and they're in an order that is about obedience and so sister julianne hasn't had to be obedient in a while she's very on her own uh managing things and frankly she's doing an amazing job but from the uh religious order perspective they want her to experience uh obedience yeah as part of her training as part of her religious life yeah, I do. I, that is really what I think. Um, and I like, well, we'll see. We'll talk about it as we go through the episode, yeah. how that works out. Uh, and also there's always the tension. And this is where it comes to a head, too, is there's always the tension of like the nuns are there to be obedient. The nurses are not. The midwives are there to be nurses and they are living in this convent house. And there's always going to be a tension there. Yeah. That why should they have to listen to Sister Ursula? They should listen to Sister Ursula if she has the best plan for the medical well-being of the people that they're working for. And because she's like, has institutional authority. But she should yeah. have institutional authority based on her medical and administrative expertise and knowledge. Yeah. And then from that perspective, there's no reason to replace Sister Julianne. Like from a, a I do genuinely like... Uh, think you're right and even understand that like from a religious perspective changing things up is for in sister julianne's spiritual best interests to give her the uh, chance to be obedient and also to require her to be obedient and also to like change things for everybody to grow their uh character and and spiritual strengths and etc and even from like an administrative perspective it kind of makes sense that like 
we can't stagnate. We can't be doing things the same all the time. Times mm-hmm. are changing. You got to change with them. Like, okay, fair enough. But also, like, administratively, administratively, you don't demote someone who's do has been doing an excellent job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so insulting. <laughs> yeah, and then all of this couched in. This is a fictional world in which they're trying to add conflict, and it works very well. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, You've added a new person to hate, and we will hate her until shown otherwise. <laughs> we've By this point, this isn't spoilery, uh, by this point in the show, I have come to expect that they introduce characters I don't like, and then bring me around on them. Yeah. So I'm expecting to be brought around on Sister Ursula, but I I do not come around to her in this episode. (laughs) There is one moment of softness from her in this entire episode, but that's, and that's very minimal, uh, bare minimum. Do you want to talk about, uh, Barbara and Tom at all? A little bit, only in that they're, they're back, they're engaged, and so Barbara's focused on, like, the next thing I'm going to do is be a clergy wife. Um, (laughs) They drink a lot of sherry. This is such a weird world that I'm like, what is, what? (laughs) Okay. And also he is just, we just got a a little little scene of him looking at rings uh, to see, you know, oh no, they're pricey and we are poor. (laughs) Uh, In... I watched, weirdly, two different versions of this episode. One that was on a streaming service and one that was just, like, recorded off of TV. Uh, And it was... The Tom and Barbara ring plot was just lifted whole cloth from the one one version that I watched. Yeah, but there's not a lot to it. But it is, like... uh, We see it in this first scene that Barbara has a blade of grass is a wedding ring and tom's like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) we'll get you a real ring (laughs) yeah sister monica joan you said quotes poetry when they Mm -hmm. come in what does she specifically quotes from as you like it uh she says no sooner met but they looked no sooner looked but they loved no sooner loved but they sighed no sooner sighed but they asked one another the reason no sooner knew the reason but they sought the remedy and in these degrees, they have made a pair of stairs to marriage. <laughs> it's a very sweet... It is very sweet. <laughs> ...quote to say, and it, like, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Trudy. And the main... Yes. She is the main plot of this episode. This is our, you know... Patient mother, of the episode. Patient of the week. Yep. Uh... Trudy, uh, in a little hint of, like, the clinic is not working as it usually is, she is a little panicked because she has things to get back to and has been waiting for hours. Yeah. So that's a little something that we see that relates back to all the changes. Um, she's got this son, Mickey, who's like four or five with a six. Pa- Oh no, we see he's not six later in a line of dialogue. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, he's five. He's got a little eye patch. He's so cute and sweet and like says barely anything <laughs> the entire episode. Yeah. Oh, he's a good little actor. Like, he doesn't have to say much, which helps. He just kind of acts with his, like, scared little face. What's required of him is to be timid and uh, cowed. And yeah, he exactly. And he pulls it off. does. That he has had trouble with his eye. They're fixing an astigmatism with an eye patch. And, tr- and uh, Phyllis is going to help him, her, get an appointment sooner. 
Uh, she's pregnant. And w- later on, she goes to pick up her husband from jail. He's been in jail for eight months or whatever. So basically her entire pregnancy. Yeah. And he's immediately given a car from the boss so that there's clearly like some, like this is organized crime of some form or another. Or at he's the got very minimum organized shadiness. Organized shadiness. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Phyllis turns up and they have like, they've acquired some rum by shady means and they need to filter it. So yeah, this is like, uh, Trudy is surrounded by kind of a criminal element and therefore feels no escape. Yeah. The whole, like when Phyllis arrives at the house, there's this huge party, uh, playing. I want your money is playing. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have the, the like nine months pregnant Trudy with like, uh, her husband at her feet, like pulling down her stocking for like a show for the people Mm -hmm. and like we have seen it is uh phyllis is scandalized Mm -hmm. um the house is very loud and noisy and there's a party and it's a rowdy party and people are propositioning phyllis on her way through the uh party um we have seen before nurse midwives or nuns arriving at like to check on a patient and there's a party and the mood is not always the same sometimes the mother is like hooray, I'm partying and don't care about my well-being. And sometimes the mother is like, can everyone just please leave me alone? I need my peace. And we get from Trudy, like, she's embarrassed when Phyllis comes and she does not look like, hooray, I'm at a party. Yeah. She's kind of playing along, but is uncomfortable. Yeah. Just such a common thing for women. This... At this point in the episode, I think, we don't entirely know whether, like, how happy Trudy is with her situation. Like, it, it's not a great situation, but at mm-hmm. this point, we haven't seen enough to know, like, is she, be, you know, uh, uh, careless or coerced? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but we know she's embarrassed when she sees Phyllis, and yeah. Phyllis isn't isn't happy. Um, and then immediate, like there's a, a scene with Barbara and uh, Tom in between. But the like the next thing that happens is later on in the night where we do get clarity on how Trudy actually yeah. feels. Yeah, which is like her husband is the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, her husband uh, is, like, aggressive, sexually aggressive, and then when she is resistant, physically aggressive, mm-hmm. and, like, knocks her down and says he's going off to find a prostitute who is going to be better than her in yeah. any way, and uh, is awful. Yeah, and then the pan from that whole scene happening to Mickey is sitting on the steps... Yeah. Listening to all of this, absorbing all of this is harrowing and upsetting. And, and when she sees the other like focus of the scene at the end, she sees that he is there and like puts on a good face and mm-hmm. is like, it's okay, everything's fine. And like, again, we have seen, I think, uh, 
women lying to themselves or to the to each other or to the midwives and what we have this framed clearly as is not lying to herself it's like putting on the best face she can for mickey yeah absolutely yeah should i move on to the next section or do you have more to say about this yeah i'm don't think there's anything more to say by me here Mm -hmm. go on in the clinic, Sheila is hiding her upset tummy. Barb- Tom wants Barbara to have a ring, but can't afford one yet. And the two of them are busy getting ready for Commonwealth Day celebrations. Barbara goes to pick Mickey up from school for his eye appointment, but finds he's left with his father. Lester has not taken him to the appointment, but instead to the boxing ring, where he's forced to fight until his mother shows up angrily just as he's punched out. Trudy goes to the police, but Peter is no help to her. In Nanata's sister Ursula has taken away the TV and praises its absence. <laughs> sister Mary Cynthia uh, has counseling from Sister Ursula about her struggles. Lester burns Trudy with a cigarette and locks her in her room after she calls him a coward. With Mickey's help, Trudy breaks out of the bedroom, but is in labor and races to Nanata's. Sister Julienne, Sister Mary Cynthia, and Patsy work to deliver her baby girl and take her and Mickey to the maternity home. In the morning, Lester comes to see Trudy, causing her to rush out of the maternity home, pawning her ring to pay for new locks and a lawyer. Sister Julienne and Sister Ursula butt heads over authority and what Sister Mary Cynthia needs. You want to talk I don't know that I have much to say about it, but let's get the smaller uh, mm-hmm. things out of the way first. So do you have anything to say about rubber balloons symbolize the Commonwealth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a funny line. Um, yeah, Commonwealth Day is still celebrated today. Um, what do balloons have to do with the Commonwealth? Well, rubber is comes from uh, Ceylon, which yeah. is Sri Lanka now. Which is now called Sri Lanka, and my parents were just there. No, oh, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have much to say. Basically, Tom and Barbara need something to do while they discuss the ring situation. He, poor Tom, is just like, I really want you to have a ring, and but we just can't afford it. And Barbara's all sweet and like, it's okay, it's fine. But, uh... They're trying to work out how they're going to be an engaged couple in this situation that they're in. And I think it's mostly just sweet. The only real uh, anything of substance I have for this entire interaction in this section is that she says, I don't need a ring. He says, not many girls would say that. And she says, well, you're not engaged to many girls. Mm -hmm. And she says, no, just you. And Trixie that one time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's you and I'm glad to be. And that yeah. is like a, a bit of a comparison to Trixie. Is yeah. Trixie would have never gotten engaged for a blade of grass. That would not be. And, and Trixie would be, the, would be very upset not to have it. And she would be struggling with, she, like, she would know they couldn't afford it, but still be heartbroken not to have yeah. the ring. Yeah. And, I, and Barbara genuinely doesn't care mm-hmm, <laughs> like exactly. she's not just pretending not to care to be humble she genuinely doesn't care tom and cares why, and that's why she's suited to tom yeah more um the other thing in this section aside from trudy is sister mary cynthia 
So yeah. we still have her, like her attack was not that long ago. So she is still struggling and still recovering. But Sister Ursula is not, as the villain still, <laughs> is not the best person to be counseling her. And yeah. uh, See, I, is not coming to good conclusions. I think talking about this plot uh, uh, from Mary Cynthia's perspective is like, makes sense and and her story is important in this episode i would have i would tie this all into saying things about sister ursula which that like the she is meddling and micromanaging she makes sister julianne late for the morning uh she uh takes away the tv and talks about how it kills conversation in the room completely and then there's an awkward silence and it's all funny and she's like you know uh annoying and a nuisance but it's this conversation with mary cynthia that makes me like makes my blood boil Mm -hmm. when she when you were talking about earlier about uh obedience being an important spiritual discipline and sister ursula's presence maybe being uh for the best for their spiritual well-being uh i would like to agree with that and this scene undermines it Mm -hmm. like this is not good for sister mary cynthia's spiritual growth this is like nothing sister ursula does makes me more angry than mm-hmm. it, like Ursula sister Ursula undermining sister Mary Cynthia's spiritual progress makes me more furious than anything else she does in the episode by far mm-hmm. it makes, I'm like so mad <laughs> because she is it's more than just uh like the insensitivity of like making hungry people stand in front of food it's like she's playing a power game with her instead of caring about her spiritual health. Mm-hmm. It's a b- spiritual abuse. I'm like, so upset. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. At least she's kind to Mickey. Yes. And that's the one moment of sensitivity in this part is she is, she should be in the hospital or the maternity home. She shouldn't be here. And then, they take, like, they have no choice. She's literally, like, giving birth right there. Um, but as soon as she sees Mickey, she is gentle with him and, you know, talks to him kindly. She's not a jerk to a child, which makes her <laughs> ever so slightly less a villain, I like guess. <laughs> an enormously low bar, but at least she crosses it. At least she isn't actively cruel to a child, which is not a bar that everyone in this episode passes. No. Which brings us back again to the Mickey and Trudy and Lester and their whole family. Yeah. We, like... And Trudy's mother, I don't have written down her name. Zelda. 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 Yeah. How can I I forget Zelda? Yeah. I've played every Zelda game in the past (laughs) month. Um, Let me tell you, as far as Zeldas go, I'll take the uh, elf princess over uh, Trudy's mother, who, like, Lester is the worst, but Trudy's mother is also 
horrible. Yes. Like, absolutely horrible. And we... She gets worse through the episode. Her worst parts we haven't even seen yet. Mm -hmm. But she... When Barbara shows up uh, and Trudy's mother is like... Asks her for Alka-Seltzer because she has a hangover. Mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't make her... You know, you don't have to be horrible to have hangover, just so we're clear. But uh, ask her for Alka-Seltzer, and then when Barbara says she doesn't have any, she slams the door in Barbara's face. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, she's the worst. Yeah, I had to, like, go back and, like, really, ch like, this is actually Trudy's mother. This isn't his mother. This is Trudy's mother. Like, yeah, she's... We're going to see worse from her, but, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, no spoilers for the episode. She sides with Lester over Trudy. yeah. At several points. Yeah. Uh, uh, really horribly, actually. Yeah. But here, she just is, like, unnecessarily rude to Barbara, who's just there to be helpful. Yeah, like, exactly. Ugh, you suck. <laughs> yeah. Mickey's, like, less is supposed to have an eye appointment mm -hmm. that Phyllis has been, like, trying to set up, and it's, he's, he's, we haven't really said, but Mickey is, like... Doesn't want to go to school and is getting bullied and he, uh... Wets the bed. Wets the bed and he has these big glasses with a patch over one eye and gets teased about it and is self-conscious about it. So the eye appointment is for his, like, uh, physical health but also his social health that, you know, maybe if he doesn't have a patch over his eye he won't be bullied and he won't be, uh, so shy and scared and timid and he'll have a happier life. Mm-hmm. Barbara is supposed to pick him up. Phyllis has arranged it. And Barbara is supposed to pick him up and take him to that uh, appointment. And when he gets, she gets to school, uh, Mickey is gone because his father has already come to pick him up. And Barbara assumes pick him up to take him to the eye appointment and assumes all is well. Mm -hmm. uh, but instead, he takes him to the gym to learn to box, mm -hmm. saying... He gives this speech. Mickey gives... I mean, Lester gives this speech to Mickey that is like... Such, I think, such a well-written speech mm. for, in my feelings, it doesn't ma really make Lester more sympathetic, but it does make me... It makes him believable. Yeah, exactly. It makes it plausible that he's not doing, he's not taking Mickey out of cruelty to Mickey. He, he I think, uh, as written, sells the speech that, like, this is what he thinks is best for Mickey. Yeah. And he says... You've got to learn how to fight. I mean, the the whole cliche of, like, you got to learn how to fight to protect yourself, that is fine and nothing uh, particularly well-written in that or badly. It's just, like, that's a thing we often hear. But he starts with, like, who do you think loves you most? Mom? Yeah, your mother and your grand grandmother and your dad does. But you've got to learn how to fight because the only one who will ever really love you is you. And, like, as a thing to say to a child, that is horrible, but mm. I can see where it, it is meant as, like, hard-won wisdom that he really, truly believes mm -hmm. and what he believes about himself. The only one who really loves him is himself. The only one who's ever going to really love you is yourself, so you have to protect yourself. Uh, I think it's a really well-written speech from a horrible character <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and it really encapsulates that like toxic masculinity uh you only need yourself and you and self should be strong mm -hmm. and the way to get strong is to fight yeah. and so he puts him like oh my goodness puts him in a boxing ring with 
apparently no training or teaching or instructions against a kid who is a head taller than him. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's got one eye, or one usable eye, and is, you know... Tiny. So tiny. (laughs) Six-year-old, you know, two and a half feet at six years old. He's so small. And then fighting a kid who must be ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really make him look very vulnerable. <laughs> so Trudy goes to the police, and the police is Peter again. Uh, we keep seeing Peter. Chummy's, Chummy's gone. <laughs> yeah. But Peter keeps showing up. So that's fun. I don't know when we stop seeing Peter, but it's nice that he's still there representing the police, but also representing the police in a totally crap way. Like, we can't do anything. He's the father. He, uh, so he has authority over his children. He can take them out of school. He can put them in a boxing ring. It's like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? I like, uh, this is a theme of this episode, or a motif of this episode. And it seems like it's a recurring motif on the show that, like, the law isn't very helpful. No. And in this episode, throughout the episode, Lester has the law on his side. Yeah, exactly. Even when we see him do worse. I mean, I guess, yeah, at this point in your recap, we have seen him do worse. But at this point in the episode, we haven't quite yet. Uh, even when he, we see him do worse, the law is still on his side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this point, too, like, I don't know. I'm like, because I know Lester's character, even by this point, I'm like, he shouldn't he is doing the wrong thing and mistreating his son and wife and bad for his family. But I do see Peter's point that like they are married and he, they are still married and he is still, uh, legally Mickey's father Mm -hmm. and he can take him out of school for an afternoon if he wants to. Mm -hmm. And kids do go boxing. Mm -hmm. Like I see Peter's, his hands are his hands are tied but the larger motif is like the law is not going to help you (laughs) no especially because he lester's clearly part of a like crime organization whatever who is uh exploiting the law all the time yeah he's clear and he's got people surrounding him that will help him get like he just got out of jail for a very short amount of time and you're like, that'll be this group is like, yeah, you go to jail for a little bit, but. And we, what Peter says is like, he was in jail for, I forget what it was. It was like extorting money, I think. Yeah, it wasn't anything. It violent. was something like a minor crime that clearly is organized crimey, like yeah. extortion. or But we see him already by this point be violent. And the. The boxing gloves constantly around Lester's neck are quite a symbol. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like he, they're they're literal. He goes boxing. He's at the gym. He takes Mickey to the gym, but also he is always wearing boxing gloves around mm-hmm. his neck because symbolically he is always ready for violence. Yeah. And then, I mean, take the next go to the next scene which is where things escalate and he gets even worse on screen Mm -hmm. i like this this whole scene is very unpleasant yeah i don't think we need to get into like detail about he hurts her he locks her in her room 
she is desperate to get out and uh eventually asks Mickey to go and get her a uh, knife which is a harrowing thing for him to be walking up the stairs holding that knife and you're like what is going to happen what is going to happen what is going to happen yeah. and like what is she going to do with that like i i was genuinely like what is she going to do with that knife once she gets it yeah. But then she uses it to hack open the door. Oh, and I was Ugh. so afraid when we see the scene that is from her perspective and the knife is going underneath the door and I kept expecting it to be suddenly yanked away by like Lester appearing. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh the like Yeah, it was a little bit horror tropes at oh, that my moment. Goodness. Like, it, it was, was uh, like cringe and hide under the blankets kind of a moment. <laughs> I feel like it's really appropriate, actually, to uh, deploy horror tropes to show that her situation is horrific. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. I don't want to go too much... As you said, I don't want to uh, spend too much describing the abuse, but the, like, I don't know why it sticks me so much the, that she calls him a coward and he says, cowards don't do this. And then, like, yeah, they do. <laughs> act the most like the most cowardly you could have a fictional character in that situation possibly act. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, uh, locking his pregnant wife in a room. Like, yeah. Oh, what? And you're scared of her? Yeah. Which, like, like what is it? I know the whole point is it's uh, you know inconsistent and it, it's he's bad and supposed to be and i don't know why i'm fixing fixating on the lack of internal logic but like how is lock like locking your pregnant wife in a room meant to prove to you yourself that you're not a coward mm-hmm. i don't like of all things like maybe it proves to him that he's not weak but it doesn't yeah, prove to him that he's not a coward I, I mean, it does prove to him, but to, I just but like... to him, weakness and cowardliness is the same oh, thing, I would say. It's so upsetting. Yeah, it is. It is very upsetting. She makes herself out. She goes and has the baby uh, that's covered in meconium, which is the first uh, bowel movement of the baby. Yeah. Uh, but after some suction, the baby's okay. It happens pretty quickly that, like, the baby's okay. There's a moment of panic, but... There's a little moment of the uh, midwives looking at each other and uh, the... Baby doesn't cry, but I think, I think the uh, purpose of that scene really is Sister Julianne has things well in hand. Yeah, Sister Julianne is experienced and capable, and she just like can deal with whatever happens. Mm-hmm. I think is the point of that. That's what I take from it, anyway. Yep. This is where I get confused about the Sister Julianne and Sister Ursula thing. Is like Sister. Ursula is all mad at Sister Julianne for counteracting her authority in front of other midwives when, like, the authority was she should go to the maternity home or hospital and Sister Julianne is like, no, she's literally having a baby right now. How, like, this is where Sister Ursula is such a villain is, like, she is literally, like, having the baby. It is coming out of her right now. You're spo- Like, she was supposed to go over to the maternity home? It- is Sister Ursula... Uh, a midwife? Does she actually know anything about medicine, or is she just there as like head nun? The entire order are midwives. Oh, she would be a yeah, midwife for right. sure. 
Yeah. She doesn't necessarily have actual experience recently. If she's been in the mother house yeah. until now, she got, maybe doesn't have recent experience. I would say that the in that scene, the thing Sister Ursula is upset about or is another like lack of internal logic and like mm-hmm. uh, justifying her hurt feelings by pretending that it's like legitimate when it isn't. She gave bad instructions and they didn't listen to her but her intern her thing that she would say is uh i think she didn't present her case and argue she took authority mm. sister julienne she didn't right. say but sister i believe we should stay here can we please like she didn't right. uh, she said no we are staying here do this do that let's go Right. Right. She took control and and in the performance, uh, she absolutely took control in that moment. Yeah. Because she needed to, oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what how sister how I think Sister Ursula is legitimizes her anger that Sister Julianne did something wrong. Mm-hmm. That like you didn't submit to my authority. Submitting to my authority doesn't mean you have to go to the uh, hospital when you physically can't. But it does mean you defer to me. You ask me. You give me your reasons. You convince me. Mm-hmm. You don't just take command over me. <sighs> All right. Let's move on to our next yes. section. Later, Sister Mary Cynthia goes to check on the baby, but when Lester shows up violently breaking the window, it leads Sister Mary Cynthia to panic. She has a breakdown and is comforted by other nuns. In the midst of this, Sheila confesses to Sister Julienne that she's pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Trudy talks to her lawyer, who doesn't give her much hope, and it's revealed that she once attempted suicide. Her mother, Zelda, is generally terrible. Dr. Turner asks Sister Mary Cynthia, talks to Mr. S- Sister Mary Cynthia, and determines that she is mentally ill and advises a therapeutic community. But Sister Ursula just sends her to the mother house. Phyllis makes cocktails as she angrily rants about Trudy's situation. Meanwhile, Patsy has received a letter saying that her father is ill and she may need to go to him. Peter calls Nanatis to let them know that Trudy has left her children at the police station, but Phyllis delays in calling to put the kids in foster care and goes to search for Trudy instead. She finds her and convinces her to come back, saying she'll help to find another way. Barbara buys her own ring, citing that they will do things their own way. Mm-hmm. Mature Jenny narrates about uncertainty and joy as we see the Commonwealth Day celebrations. Trudy manages to escape Lester and Sheila tells Patrick about the baby with the help of a familiar note. Oh. There's a lot kind of shoehorned to this last bit. Yeah. So. I mean, let's talk a bit about... Let's just quickly talk about Sheila to say, uh, obviously she's pregnant. Yeah, the second conspicu- she's having <laughs> stomach issues. She had conspicuous morning sickness. Yeah. Uh. My favorite, if you didn't mention it all, is Sister Winifred in that scene being like, is it... 
both ends. <laughs> it's like, and she was like, I don't think we need, I appreciate your concern, but I don't think we need minute, anyone appreciates a minute to minute update of my visits to the, the smallest, smallest room. room. Yeah, <laughs> that's adorable because Mr. Winifred's just trying to help. She's just like, we all came back from South Africa. We're all a little like tummy sick. Like, how can I help you? And But Sheila is hiding things. Um, this is like a thing they do on TV where they like, Ha- they feel like it's subtle to like yeah uh, she's got having morning sickness but there's some other plausible reason and it's never subtle yeah exactly <laughs> we don't see anyone else's uh upset stomach of course she's pregnant yeah <laughs> but I, I don't regret but it's very exciting because they thought they couldn't have kids uh yes. this is a, her, they've gone to south africa and magically conceived which i think is hilarious in some ways and also kind of like magical warm weather <laughs> solve their fertility mm. problems although it was tuberculosis related so it was me, i know it doesn't add up so. no it it's not just eclipse. i'm just not gonna don't give go a, don't give any plausible explanation it just happens it just things happens do happen and things sometimes. do that like that's not like it's implausible that she would get pregnant it's just exciting and she does coloring with angela and makes uh, patrick a note that says will you be my daddy i think yeah and it's the same note a similar note to timothy giving sheila a note that said will you be my mother yes back when they sheila and patrick first got together so it's very sweet and so exciting for them yeah uh the other small thing of course is the ring barbara just buys her own ring love it and i love it i freaking love it and also, they're doing things their own way. Exactly. This is where Tom and Barbara are such a better match than Tom and Trixie. I love this solution to this problem. I mm. love their relationship at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to talk about uh, a little bit of a bigger thing, I think, than either of these? But the other smallish thing is uh, Patsy's Yeah. So story. I didn't really say it as much in my recap, but she treats... Delia meanly she's like get off my bed yeah she's cold and brusque with G- with Delia and we don't know why in fact uh <laughs> when I was watching it I was so like why is she being so mean to Delia that I like backed up and looked through everything that had mm-hmm. happened already thinking I had missed something yeah which I hadn't and it, if I had waited uh she explains like a scene later <laughs> but yeah. but it was just so she's uh she was a little short with her, uh, for uh, even earlier, and then mm-hmm. like they're having cocktails in the room, and she's like, "I get off my bed," uh, and she quite has never treats Delia like that. Quite short with her, yeah. The um, cocktails while we're talking about it, just yes. uh, the like Pat. I mean, Phyllis, Phyllis is all upset and making cocktails. It's like I normally would make a brandy, but I'm so upset that I, I'm gonna make brandy Alexander's made with condensed milk for a velvety, luxurious taste. <laughs> she shouts that so angrily. It's hilarious. It's I love a velvety, luxurious taste. <laughs> 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 But it turns out the reason that Patsy is uh, shutting Delia out is partly, is there kind of two reasons on top of another. One is that she's upset about something she's not talking about. And the other is that she is uh, expecting to have to leave Delia mm. and is kind of preemptively 
Yeah, it's like a defense mechanism. Yeah. So she's, yeah, her father is sick and he lives in Hong Kong and she is going to have to go to him and really doesn't want to. Yeah. And doesn't want to leave Delia. And that's basically her entire plot, but mm-hmm. just like more change that is unhappy. Yeah, it's basically the three things that we just mentioned about Tom and Barbara, about Patsy, about Sheila are like so that our usual characters can get their plot moved forward in amongst the main thing about Trudy and about Sister Mary Cynthia. So let's talk about Sister Mary Cynthia. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. The moment when she is there with... She goes to do a well baby check on Trudy and Lester breaks the window and she cannot be of comfort to Trudy because she has all of her own issues yeah because she absolutely panics and yeah it is heartbreaking and heartbreaking to watch and then she does almost the same thing that she did when she was attacked is like the don't touch me don't comfort me type of thing and so this is sister mary cynthia's like ongoing trouble and I like, I mean, I like it in a fictional sense of like, trauma doesn't just magically go away. Sister Mary Cynthia was attacked and it is affecting her forever. Yeah. And frankly, so is Trudy. So this is like a window into Trudy is going to escape from Lester, but that doesn't mean that she's going to be okay. Yep. I, 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 exactly the same kind of thing. I'm really glad in one sense that the show is uh, showing that Mary Cynthia's trauma trauma matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also though really upset that the show is putting her through this. Mm-hmm. And even with the characters, why on earth did they send Mary Cynthia alone to deal with Trudy? They know Lester is violent. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's cruel yeah to send mary cruel of the show but also like this is a foreseeable situation mm-hmm. but characters is cruel and thoughtless to send mary cynthia alone to trudy's house i know she is still a midwife on duty and needs to have duties but like sending anyone all alone uh when you know that lester is violent isn't safe no exactly and sending mary cynthia alone is thoughtless and cruel Mm -hmm. i'm really upset yes i'm upset with the show for putting her in that situation and i feel like we are starting here to cross a line from uh trauma has lasting consequences to i'm gonna torture this character yeah and like and to have her be the uh, victim of Sister Ursula's cruelty. Yeah. That she, that Patrick wants to send her to a proper oh. community. And Sister Ursula's like, no, we deal with our own. Her family is us. Let's take her to the mother house. That's also like, I don't say it's implausible, but it's so cruel. Yeah. Of Sister Ursula, of the show, like I said, nothing makes her me matter than her undermining Sister Mary Cynthia's spiritual well-being. And here, it's like, same thing, but worse. Mm-hmm. Like, 
the mother house is not what Mary Cynthia needs. How can you possibly not see that? Mm-hmm. I like, though, a lot what uh, Sister Julianne and Sister Monica Jones say to Mary Cynthia while she... Oh, the one like... Okay, back up a little. I love, in terms of writing and directing that and acting, mm-hmm. that Mary Cynthia responds to trauma the way she responded to trauma last time. That, like, we see her acting the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of callback in terms of show, but it's also consistency in terms of character. That she shuts herself up in her room and doesn't want to be touched. And I, like... It is so painful but moving the, like, Sister Julianne on the other side of the door being like, I'm not going to come in without your permission, but I want you to know that I'm here. And then Sister Monica Joan just comes in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I love both of those characters and the, how they're acting in that moment. And the Sister Monica Joan, like... Sister Julianne is so thoughtful and gentle, and Sister Monica Joan is not as gentle, mm-hmm. but is like, I, I'm, I'm just going to come in because you need me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, Mary Cynthia asks them, what did Julian of Norwich say? Not the thing about all will be well, because I don't believe that right now. Mm-hmm. But, and they say, God did not say, thou shalt not be tempted Thou shalt not be travailed, thou shalt not be diseased. But he said, Thou shalt not be overcome. Can you speak a little bit about who Julian of Norwich is? Julian of Norwich was a 14th century mystic. She was a nun uh, who had mystic visions of Jesus, particularly memorably she... she, uh, wrote about her visions and wrote about a lot of visions of Jesus as a lover and and of God's love in in fairly um sensual terms so she's one of the most perhaps the most influential women writers of the middle ages I'm writing about how God loves her. And most famously, she has all will be well and all will be well and all manner of things shall be well. She's also who Sister Julianne, uh, in the story of, uh, like, in world we have textually that Sister Julianne is named after Julian of Norwich. Mm -hmm. That's why she's Sister Julianne. So let's move on to Trudy's story. Yeah, which overlaps with Mary Cynthia's. I like, I think, uh, in terms of the show, but also I think I'm glad you put it into words that, like, all the emphasis on Mary Cynthia's trauma is is reflecting on Trudy's. Yeah. Trudy gets this lawyer who's just like, Basically, just like, there's nothing you can do. He wants this and this. Don't tell me what he wants. Tell me what I can do. You know, like, like you said, the law is just not on her side at all. Yep. 
that she has to get custody of her own children. She has to prove everything. It's like, I have burns on my skin. Well, you can't prove that he did those burns, that you didn't do it to yourself. And her mother, her own mother, oh, her awful mother, saying like, oh, well, she has a history of doing things for attention. Yeah. That she had stuck her head in the oven for attention. Oh, what an awful mother. Yeah, her mother is the worst. I hate her. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who is like, oh my god. Yeah. So the, the situation is that Lester owns the house outright mm-hmm. so again like although the way it's framed in the episode is like lester has the law on his side both because he's kind of slippery and also be- well three reasons because he's slippery and because the law doesn't care about her mm-hmm. right the law is set up for the benefit of men with property, mm-hmm. uh, which is Lester. And then, like, also just the uh, situation. Like, he does own the house. Uh, he does have legal, like, although it is right that she be able to be safe and have a safe place to live, you know, she can't legally, it, it makes sense to me that she can't legally change the locks of a house that he owns to keep him out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that can't be the solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, yeah, her lawyer is, and even her lawyer, like, like Peter, from their perspective, like, I don't think either of them are not wanting to help her. Her lawyer's not saying things that are very helpful to her, but I can see from her lawyer's perspective, he's like, okay, here are the ch- the obstacles we have to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, so how do we overcome them? <laughs> so yeah, like, tell exactly. me the uh, solutions. Don't give me the problems. Yeah. Um, her mother, though, is the worst. No, absolutely. Her mother is not trying to help her overcome obstacles. Her mother is on the son's, the son-in-law's side, mm-hmm. on Lester's side. And is like smirkingly like, oh, she tried to kill herself once. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. yeah. Why she is just she? Th- she just thinks she's being dramatic somehow. Like, just awful. I guess possibly her motivation can be, uh, she is receiving bene- like financial yeah. benefits from being from living in this house with them. Yeah, and she doesn't want to lose that. Yeah, for sure. And a little later, the. Uh, she, Zelda, oversees the locks being changed back and is like, and now Madam's not going to have the keys. My daughter's not going to even have yeah. the keys. So she, the uh, implication is that no matter what happens to Trudy, Zelda is still going to be living in this house with her son's, her son-in-law's uh, financial protection. Yeah. I wonder how long that can possibly last. Yeah. Just making bad choices. This episode sucks. <laughs> it's Not true. In terms no, of quality, yeah. but there is so much suckiness in it. Yeah. Like there are some really awful people and some awful situations. The and, everything with Mary Cynthia and everything with Trudy. Yeah. Is like really sucky. And frankly, like Trudy, so she abandons her kids at the police station and runs off and phyllis 
wisely remembers Trudy talking about going to this old monastery or old whatever to hear the church bells. Yeah. And is able to go and find her. But even like her convincing is not all that convincing. It's just like, I'll help you. We'll do this any means necessary somehow. And they do. Like the ending is that she gets into a shelter and escapes far away from him. But I do think I, it's a little quick, that ending. Yeah. And I really question whether like, okay, she took her kids and moved far away. He's still their father and she, he can still come after them. Yeah. Unfortunately, especially like it's the sixties, there isn't the same protection for women against their ex-husbands. Is there, I just genuinely don't know, but is there like restraining orders in the 60s in England. And if so, though, even if so, does Lester seem like the kind of guy who's going to listen to one? Yeah. And are they going to actually... Enforce it? Enforce it when it's his own children? I I say... I also think, like, when I say this episode sucks, there's a lot in this episode that I think is very well done. But it needed another half hour because of the, the how they've set up the mm-hmm. the problems the ending for trudy for everyone else like i feel like leaving it, it's it's horrible and makes me very unhappy but mary cynthia we didn't need more to end this particular story of this particular episode mm-hmm. uh but trudy's ending feels so pat yeah it's so like exactly. we get all the pain and all the problems in detail and with specifics and then things get better for her with a voiceover and there's no complications. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Poochie went back to his home planet. And she got her, she got a great house and is now happy. The yeah. end. Don't think about it. Don't I'm think like, about no, it. I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, Because I you've sure given don't. me this, like, intractable problem and then you've just tracted it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not a verb. But, like, her ending is way too pat. And especially for the, like, degree of emotional turmoil you have put her, but also me as an audience member through. And then you just want me to be like, oh, don't worry, she's fine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, I'm still worried about her. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So all of that suckiness aside, did you have a favorite part of this episode? My favorite part, uh... Again, in like a painfully favorite, but my favorite part is Sister Julianne and Sister Monica Joan comforting mm. Mary Cynthia. I thought that was yeah. uh, heartbreakingly, but beautiful. Mm-hmm. I loved seeing them supporting her. I loved the way that the two of them support her differently from each other, but still in ways that she needed. And I loved them quoting uh, quoting julian of norwich to her and i just like i try it troubles me to call that my favorite part because i don't i hate what's happening to mary cynthia Mm -hmm. in this episode and in this season already like her being sent away Mm -hmm. uh to someplace that isn't going to be helpful to her is on is my least favorite part (laughs) but that moment Mm-hmm. How about you? What is your favorite part? Um, 
I think I got to go with Phyllis making the cocktails and <laughs> being so Phyllis being like the audience relatability character of like all this stuff is happening and no one is helping. And I am like on Phyllis's side in that moment and like Phyllis needs a drink and I need a drink. And I'm like, maybe I'm going to look up that recipe with the condensed milk and it'll be velvety and delicious. A velvety luxurious <laughs> taste. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, if you have some things to say about this episode or any other episode, you can contact us in a few different ways. We're still on Twitter for as long as it lasts, even though it's not called Twitter anymore. We are <laughs> we are mostly active on our Discord channel, which will be linked in the show notes. Or if you want to just talk to us privately, we have an email address, which is what, Paul? Poplar at clockworksacademy.com. And if you like the show and would like us to keep making it, uh, you can support us on Patreon at ClockworksCast on Patreon, patreon.com slash ClockworksCast. And that would be extremely appreciated and helpful. Thank you so very much for joining us this week. I have been Dr. Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And that's just my popular opinion. (laughs) 